0: Welcome to Leader Lab. Today, I'm joined in the Leader Lab with Michael Petty. Michael's the author of You've Survived, Now What?, which was published in the very first issue of Leader Lab Quarterly. Michael, who are you and what do you do?
1: Well, I'm an a, um, independent advisor to business leaders. I help companies to maximize uh, shareholder value through enhanced strategic thought, financial discipline, in, in leadership. My roots are in the corporate financial management field, and my expertise would be generically called value-based management. And for fun, I'm a doctoral student at Regent University in their uh, strategic leadership program.
0: For fun, huh? That's kind of a sadistic version of fun.
1: Everybody has their own uh, our own, our own approach
0: to fun, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, so your article, You've Survived Now What?, uh, covers a lot of different things around strategic thinking, and and let's just start at the top. Uh, regarding leaders, what is strategic thinking? Strategic
1: thinking is the process of developing insight into a leader's present environment in which their organizations live and compete, and it's also foresight into the future of those organizations. Strategic thinking tends to be nonlinear, whole system thinking, whole brain thinking, and whole organization thinking, uh, the process of understanding the entire context in which an organization operates. The ultimate result of strategic thinking is the creation of a sustainable competitive advantage that drives the creation of shareholder value. And, and the ability to, to influence, if not create, the organization's
0: preferred future. Mm. Now, there's a lot of terms in and in around strategy that are thrown around. The two I hear most often are strategic thinking and strategic planning. What uh, What's the difference in your mind between strategic thinking and strategic planning?
1: Well, I think strategic thinking and strategic planning, along with uh, strategic analysis and strategic execution, are all part of the whole strategic management process. Uh strategic thinking, in my my perspective, is is really nonlinear. It it is uh the process of gaining insight into the present and foresight into the future. Now comparing uh comparing and contrasting that to strategic planning, I think strategic planning is tends to be more linear, more logical and more Uh, analytical in gaining knowledge of a company's core competencies and the industry uh, in which it operates. Strategic planning is typically um, involves strategic analysis, which uses uh, the classic strategic planning tools like Porter's Five Forces, uh, Tracy and Wiersma Values Disciplines, uh, the classic SWOT analysis that everybody does. Uh, the uh, Boston Consulting Group portfolio matrix, value chain management, uh, and many more types of analysis. Uh, the use of these tools provides uh, leaders um, significant and in-depth knowledge of their industries and their competitors and themselves, but they may not provide them much insight into their present environment, especially changes uh, that are taking place. Um, And I don't think they provide really any significant foresight into the future. Most of these analyses are really trying to understand uh, the company's posture and the organization's posture uh, in the environment
0: in which they're competing. Now, in your article, you talk a lot about visual analysis. Um, Talk about the role that visual analysis plays in strategic thinking.
1: Well, v- visual analysis, uh, I think, plays a very uh, dynamic role in strategic thinking. When you uh, when you use a visual an- analysis, and, and um, th- uh, many tools uh, can be used for that, I think the classic uh, example might be like a mind map uh, that's been around for years. Uh, these types of tools utilize both the right hemisphere of the brain, which is the creative, predominantly creative piece of the brain, side of the brain, um, the um, left side of the brain is typically analytical. So when you are using um, uh, visual analysis for strategic thinking, you're now engaging both sides of the brain in looking for um, relationships in context um, of your business environment where the – the classic um, strategic planning tools tend to be linear and analytical they have a linear and analytical bias to them, and actually that limits uh i think tends to put a limit around the ability to be creative now with with visualization it allows you to bring these two sides of the brain together and get a kind of what I mentioned earlier a whole brain perspective on on uh, on the environment uh visual thinking also allows one to see um not only relationships but uh, dependencies between um different systems in which an organization uh has to uh, uh survive in uh, whether it's a uh, it's a department within the same organization looking at the relationships and in uh, interdependencies between departments or if it's uh, a company competing in an industry Looking for the dependencies and in the, in the relationships of competitors or uh, suppliers, or in, in, even in a much bigger context, uh, looking at the dependencies and uh, relationships in an entire in, in, uh, economic environment it would be an example. Would be linking, uh, uh, being able to see uh, the impact of subprime mortgages. And the relationship uh, that that might have on uh, domestic auto companies being able to provide financing to sell their automobiles. I don't think um, three or four years ago that anybody in the auto industry had anticipated that the subprime mortgage was going to uh, mortgage problem was going to have an uh, impact on their industry. I think uh, thirdly, um, the the process of visual thinking allows you to, to identify subtle changes. In the, in the fundamental conditions of a particular environment in which an organization operates. And uh, these subtle changes, be they positive or negative, are the kind of indicators uh, of what might happen in the future. If you look at a positive, uh, uh, positive change, something that's changing in a positive way for an organization, that may be the... Uh, the beginnings of new opportunities for that organization. Uh, there can also be negative uh, changes going on, starting to perk. I think that's the term that uh, Irene Saunders uses in her book. Some negative uh, uh, data coming, starting to come to the surface that could be an indicator of some significant potential risk or future disaster. Um, I think we saw that in the in the acceleration of the subprime mortgage problem evolving into a much, much bigger problem that, uh, you know, impacted the world economy in within a short
0: period of five years. That's interesting you bring up uh, Irene Sanders and, and all of these different relationships, because as you were talking, the thing that I immediately started thinking about um, was the butterfly effect. And I, I know it first was in weather patterns, but now it seems like it's everywhere, uh, including in strategy. Okay. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. I think, um, I think, and it's
1: the most current example that I can think of, is uh, the butterfly effect uh, of a um, subprime mortgage going bad in, um, you know, small-town Ohio in uh, 2004, and that escalating into a series of uh, subprime mortgages going bad to the point where it, it, it caused a significant fundamental change in the default rate which then kicked in you know started to have an impact on on a on a derivative of a mortgage a collateralized mortgage obligation you know that started to put some of those in jeopardy that then you know kicked into uh, starting to impact a derivative of the collateralized mortgage business a uh, credit default swap to the point where Um, uh, AIG uh, in September of 2008 had $500 billion of credit default swap um, exposure. It almost took them under if it wasn't for the government injection of funds into them. So the world's largest insurance company uh, was impacted by events that started to percolate in 2003, 2004, 2005 one
0: at a time with small mortgages going bad. Well, and even outside the banking industry, it, it certainly had effects in the political landscape and even in, in personal behavior habit, habits and things. It it just keeps, a, keeps affecting, and the changes keep piling up, like you said. Another example of that, uh, which
1: uh, is kind of a favorite of mine, is um, looking back to uh, uh, the growth of Napster. In file, music file sharing back around, I don't know. remember when that was, 2000, which started to indicate that there may be a change in the way music was being distributed, some perking information, and yes, there was a lot of problems for Napster, but along comes Apple, sees that as a significant change in the environment, takes advantage of it, works around the problems that Napster had. Napster disappears, and... Uh, Apple now has the predominant product of which they build the iPod around. So, you know, those are two examples that that uh, I think are good examples of uh, the concept of the application of strategic thinking in the opportunity to create uh, to create your preferred future. One was positive in Apple's case, and the other one was negative
0: uh, in, in the case of uh, uh, AIG. Oh, those are those are great examples and and it kind of brings it around to another thing you talk about in your article which is the need for organizations to have uh, strategic thinking and also foresight. Uh talk about what is foresight and why is it so important?
1: Well, foresight is the ability to to see these subtle changes in the systems in which your organization is living in and its subsystems. Um because these subtle changes are actually the per per Precursors excuse me of the future, so the the ability to develop um the foresight to develop foresight or the ability to see these uh changing in uh, elements in your environment allow you to be uh, observant of things that could have a positive or negative impact uh on your future you know uh, Irene Saunders actually says it's an opportunity for. Uh, leaders to uh, influence the future while it's in its most formative stage, apping, actually helping to uh, create a preferred future for organizations. When when I think of foresight, when when you know I know a lot of companies use strategic analysis and strategic planning, but those that use foresight, it's like it's like having a strategic man- management process on steroids. You now are looking beyond today and looking into the future, and possibly creating your
0: own future. So um, let me ask you this. Strategic thinking and foresight are incredibly important, especially in today's uh, ever-changing and interconnected world. Um, How would you suggest leaders develop their strategic thinking abilities and and their foresight abilities? Well, I think you have
1: to engage the whole organization. Uh, uh, Typically, strategic planning takes place uh, at the highest levels of an, of an organization or in the large organizations at, at not only that high level, but the, then the senior management teams of, of uh, business units of large organizations. But these people that are typically involved and responsible for the strategic planning process are those that are furthest from the action, so to speak. You know, it's the It's the customer service rep. It's the... Uh, installer of a product or service or or a salesperson that sees on a day to day basis what's actually happening in the marketplace and that's where the perking information is and if if there isn't a way of engaging all of the employees to be sensitive to the to this change the changing elements in their environment and getting that information up and down the organization so that people are aware of it strategic plan- strategic thinking is never going to take place, so you can be planning without the knowledge of what's actually taking place in the marketplace that could change your future. so the engagement of people uh uh up and down the organization all the all the followers of the leaders and using visualization is a is a i believe a convenient way of doing that. You don't have to train people in strategic planning or strategic thinking. You start mapping out in various parts of the organization what's actually being seen in the marketplace as changing little little subtle changes that may or may not have an impact on the future, but all it takes is one or two of them to impact the future significantly. And certainly somebody has to be responsible for tracking that information, but when you see enough, enough perks uh, of the same item, and uh, then it's easy to start paying attention to what's happening. So it's, like I said earlier, the strategic thinking requires a uh,
0: a whole organization process. Interesting stuff for all of our leaders out there to ponder. Now, a couple of questions unrelated to strategy or, or not. Uh, Michael, what are you reading right now?
1: Well, I'm actually reading a couple of books that are not, not current that have been out on the bookshelves for for several years now. One is Blue Ocean Strategy by Kim and Marburn that was uh, published in 2005. And I, I believe this, uh, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. This book is an application of uh, of uh, strategic thinking, um, and I find it very compelling. Uh, and I'm reading two books uh, by Nicholas Tlaib, Fooled by Randomness and The Black Swan, um, both of which are based on the premise that Organizations and individuals do not live in a normally distributed world, and therefore um uh the unusual things or things outside of the norm are those events that can either give us the greatest opportunities or provide us with the greatest risk and um i think uh, I think of the events of uh, two thousand and eight. Uh, with the um, with the crash of the market and and all the financial problems that that were uh, bubbled to the surface at that point in time, it's a great indication that uh, that uh, we don't live in a, a normally distributed world. Uh, in, in one of his books, Taleb basically describes the the uh, 1987 stock stock market crash as a 23 sigma event. So when you compare that with uh, our orientation of Six Sigma being near perfection, 23 Sigma uh, a lot of us actually experienced uh, in 1987. And I'm sure if uh, lead puts his um, uh, pencil to paper about the stock market crash in 2008, that's at least a 23 Sigma
0: event uh, also. So that's kind of what I'm reading uh, these days. And uh, what are you working on now? What's next for Michael Petty?
1: Well, I'm I'm making some changes in my uh, consulting practice. Uh, I'm uh, historically, I've been very financially oriented um, in helping companies maximize shareholder value. I've uh, applied a a heavy dose of financial discipline, but I've also come to realize uh, that... um, uh it takes uh, a significant amount of uh, strategic thought and significant amount of leadership to maximize shareholder value so i'm um uh, i'm increasing the dosage of uh, strategic thought and leadership thought and backing down a little bit on the uh, on the financial discipline and i'm also expanding and diversifying my team of colleagues to include a broader range of businesses and in uh, and technical expertise um, so um, hopefully we'll be pu- pulling together a, a team of, of people that have the same uh, orientation of uh, shareholder value management strategic thinking and, and leadership
0: skills but uh, come from various uh, walks of life and industries and, and Michael if people want to get a hold of you uh, how can they reach you The easiest way to reach me is by email, mike.petty, P-E-T-T-Y, at north-star-partners.com. Well, fantastic. Well, the article is You've Survived, Now What? It's in the current issue of Leader Lab Quarterly. You can go ahead and pick that up via download. It's totally free to download, share around, pass around, uh, and that's at http colon slash all the W's. The leader dot org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab. My pleasure.